0: We are on Ksubis, the bottom of Memtes and Mabes, 49b. And we will, in Ritz Hashem, God willing, move on to Xubis Nun Ahmed Allah, 50a. We are going through different takanos, different decrees that they instituted, that the Sanhedrin, the court, Supreme Court, instituted when they were in Usha, a place called Usha. We discussed a few of the Takanas, a few of the decrees, and the Gemara continues on to discuss others. And we will discuss, uh, God willing, two of them uh, in this class. So, Amar Rabilay Lai, Amar Reish Lakish. Lai says in the name of Reish Lakish, uh, that, let's say a person writes to his children. He writes to his children that he's giving his entire property everything that he owns he's giving to his children so then uh, there's an obligation this Takana is saying this decree is saying that there's an obligation on the children to support their parents. they have to support the father and the mother that even though they gave the father gave his entire property to his children uh, but still there's there's uh, and he has nothing the children cannot say okay this is ours and we're good to go and uh, let our parents just uh, figure it out on their own no. Once they gave them like, this gift, during their lifetime, during their lifetime, they gave them this uh, gift of, the, of their entire estate. Uh, so then they have an obligation to uh, support their, and to provide sustenance to their parents. Uh, some of the commentators point out that the reason behind uh, this uh, decree is because this is what we refer to as an umdana. This is what they had in mind. This is what the father had in mind when he uh, initially gave this gift uh, to his children during his lifetime he had in mind that uh, I'll give it to you now uh, this will be yours from now on not as a Yerusha, not as inheritance but I'll give it to you now um, while I'm alive but it's with the assumption that I'll still be able to benefit from it I'll still be able to use it for sustenance and to uh, put food on the table uh, that's, that's the Takana that's the decree so the Gemara asks well, why do we need a decree for this? this should be something which is obvious we have the following question. We have the following law. The following law says that, let's say, we have the following case, where the father passes away. The father, let's call Father Reuven. Uh, Ruven passes away, and he is married to, um, to Rachel. Reuven is married to Rachel, um, and uh, they have they have a daughter. Reuben and Rachel have a daughter. Uh, let's say the name of the daughter is Leah. Uh, so after Reuven passes away, uh, the truth is is that the erusha, the inheritance uh, from on a uh, from the Torah's perspective, it does not it, it's not given over to his wife. It's given over really to his children. So let's say they only have a daughter. They have daughter Rachel. Sorry, they have a daughter Leah, uh, and. Um, Leah receives it, so she has an obligation, even though uh, she's the one who receives it, she has an obligation to support her mother. She has to support her mother. Okay. Now, what happens if Leah then gets married to Shimon? Leah gets married to Shimon, and once they get married, so then it belongs, it really belongs to Shimon. From a Halachi perspective, it really all belongs to Shimon. Well, does Shimon, has an ob- does Shimon have an obligation to uh, support his mother-in-law, to support Rachel, his mother-in-law? The answer is Yes. He does, even though, uh, let's say it was a case where Leia would have, uh, let's say, sold everything, the entire estate, uh, or given it away, the entire estate, even as as a gift to, to some random person. So then, that random person would not have an obligation to support um, to support uh, Leah's mother, Rachel. Uh, he would not have an obligation. He he received it as a gift, or he or he somehow paid for it. Um, and and then uh, and then really Rachel would be left without anything, uh, but that's that's in a case where Leah, the daughter, either sold it or gave it as a gift. However, if she gets married, if she gets married to Shimon. Leah gets married to Shimon. So then uh, we'll say that uh, Shimon really receives it not as as a purchaser as a gift, but he's really receiving this as a form of Yerusha, as a form of inheritance. And then he has to continue to support his mother-in-law. He has to continue to support Rachel. So that's that's really the case. And the point of our Gemara is to say, well, if in, that's true in that case, that uh, the son-in-law, Shimon, once he receives the estate from his wife, has an obligation to support his mother-in-law, so then obviously, if it's their own children during their lifetime, that the, the father gives his own children the estate, and he gives it to them while he's alive, so then certainly they have an obligation to support uh, to support their parents and that's the question like, this should be something which is obvious if the son-in-law has an obligation to support his mother-in-law so then certainly the children have an obligation to support their own parents and how do we know this? T'shelach Rabin sent in a letter if let's say in our case Reuven passes away Rachel is the wife and she has a daughter Leah so then she the estate goes to Leah, and she has to support her mother. Uh, so, furthermore, sorry, I missed the line, I missed the line, I apologize. That if she gets married, in our case where, Leah gets married to Shimon, so then she's still supported, Rachel is still supported by Shimon, and if the daughter dies, even in the case where, let's say the daughter passes away, uh, before her mother, so Leah passes away before Rachel, so now Shimon, who was married to to Leah, uh, now has the estate, he has access, but he's not married anymore, his wife passed away, she still has to support, through the estate, he has to support his mother-in-law. So if that's true, with regards to son-in-law having to support the mother-in-law, even if the wife passes away, even if the daughter passes away, so who we buy? So then, in a case where a person gifts the estate to uh, his children during his lifetime, so then obviously uh, the children would have to support the parents. So the Gemara says, no, it's not so obvious. In a case where the parents are still alive, one could have entertained the possibility. We reject it, but one could have entertained the possibility. That the children could say, "No, we don't have to support you." Why? Because the father's still alive. Let him still work. He still has the ability to work. He's still alive. He can still work. He can still support himself and his wife. Uh, so, let, so let him go ahead and do that. Uh, in the case of uh, the son-in-law supporting his mother-in-law, so that's a case where uh, the father-in-law passed away. The 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 wife's husband passed away. So there's there's no there's nobody uh, supporting supporting her. So then we say, the through the estate, she has to be supported. But in this case, let him go work. That's what one could have said. But we reject that. Kamash will know that even so, even though he could go ahead and go work, once he gives the estate to his children, his children, the entire estate, so then the children have an obligation to uh, support and sustain their parents. Okay, that is the first Takana, the first decree of Usha. The Gemara then asks, do we, do we follow this ruling? In the end of the day, we have the same thing in last week's class, do we follow this ruling? Tashma, Rabbi Chanina and Rabbi have a kaimei. Also, how a and the Rabbi akare. Rabbi Chanina and Rabbi Yohanan were standing. A person bends over, comes in, bends over, and kisses Rabbi Yohanan on his feet. Amar Rabbi Chanina, my high Rabbi says to Rabbi Yohanan, "What just happened? Why did this person go ahead and kiss you?" Amar like kosef nechazal banim who basinu lizoneh. Yamar's alav dina mishum hachi asin dina. Asinubai Asinubai Basically says that this person He uh, gifted all his entire estate to his children And I uh, put pressure I spoke with the children I put pressure on the children To make sure to support the parents If this is a rule This is a real rule that we continue to keep It wasn't just during the times of Usha But it's, we continue to keep it So then uh, There's no reason for him to kiss him on, the, on his feet for, for doing something which is supposed to be done Uh, He was just following the rules. But if he was going above and beyond what was necessary, so then that's why this person went and he kissed um, Rabbi son's feet. So this comes to prove that this is actually not the halacha. It's not the halacha in the end of the day. It's not the halacha. However, we do see also that uh, it is uh, highly recommended. And uh, the rabbis will highly encourage the children to support uh, their parents. Okay, that is... Takana number one. That's the first. That's the first takana. Uh, next, uh, it's really in the order of things. It's really uh, the second one, but it's the first one that we're doing in, in this class. Next takana, we're on Nuna Malalf, the third line of Nuna Malalf, Nuna Malalf, The next decree, Omar Ilai says, A very important uh, and popular line. That hamavazve is an interesting language here. That one one when one gives charity let's say we'll see that it might extend beyond charity but when one gives charity they should not the language is to waste it it's a strange language of waste, one shouldn't waste their money more than 20% more than 20% uh, because we'll, we'll see uh, but a person shouldn't give more than 20% we have a, a Bryce of uh, from the time period of the mission that also says this that uh, one shouldn't give more than 20% of their money let's say to tzedakah to charity why Shemit Tzarech Brios? Because we are concerned a person shouldn't give too much lest they themselves become poor. So they should give up to 20%, but they shouldn't give more. Now it happens to me that there's a big discussion about this, but when we say that they should give up to 20%, does that mean that there's an obligation to give 20%? And then beyond that, a person should be careful. They could if they want to, but they just have to use more caution or that really it's not allowed. It's forbidden To give more than twenty percent, maybe it's uh, maybe it's forbidden to give more than twenty percent, and that seems to be the general ruling. Seems to be that it's uh, we we do not advise giving more than twenty percent, and 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 the fact that that it's forbidden, that it's usser, that one should not give uh, more than twenty percent. We'll we'll discuss this um, uh, in uh, greater detail in a minute. But let's just continue on in the Gemara. there's a story of somebody who, want, who wanted to give more than twenty percent to charity, uh, but he was he was stopped. Somebody else stopped him. So what's what's the case? money? Rabbi Shavev? According to one version, Rabbi Shaviv stopped this person. And others say that no, Rabbi Shaviv was the one who wanted to give more than twenty percent, and Rabbi Kiva stopped him and uh, prevented him from giving more than twenty percent. What's the source for this idea, or at least what's the hint? Uh, to this idea. So, Amr of Nachum, Rav Acha bar Yaakov, what's a hint for it, to, to show this? Because the Pasuk, the verse says, in the book of B'reish, is Li Aser Asrenu Lach. That everything, ever, anything you give me, I will give you, Aseir Asrenu. It says it, the language twice, of giving 10%, it says I'll give you, 10% and 10%. So 10% and 10% is 20%, meaning give 20%. Um, so you should give 20%, but not more. I think Mari asks, wait a minute, a hello dummy, If we really uh, think about this, let's say a person we're talking about two10 percent. So if a person gives 110 percent, let's say they have a hundred dollars to give uh, or a hundred dollars that uh, they're taking 10% off of. So now they give they take 10% percent they give ten dollars. What are they left with? 90 dollars. If they have 90 dollars, they take 10% of that. That's $9. $9. 10% of 90 is 9. That means how much are they giving? They're giving $19, not 20. 20% would be $20. They're giving $19. So it ends up being a little bit less than 20% if it's 10% and then another 10%. So the Gemara explains, Amravashiya, Basra Kikama. means give the same amount that you gave the first time. The first time you gave uh, that amount, whatever that 10% is, give really the same amount, which ends up being twenty uh, percent, you're going to end up giving twenty uh, percent. and that, that in the end of the day is is the source for this idea. Now it's important uh, to note that there are various exceptions to this rule of not giving more than 20%, than twenty percent. Just before we even get to this rule of not giving more than twenty percent, um, it's the, the common uh, idea of giving ten percent to tzedakah, to charity is really not 100% true. Yes, a person is supposed to give 10%. Now, there's a big discussion whether that's a biblical obligation, a rabbinic obligation, or just a very, very, very strong minug, a strong custom that uh, we highly, highly recommend. Uh, But it's really not just 10%. It's between 10 to 20%. Uh, It's not just 10% that uh, we recommend that if a person is able to give more, they should give up to 20%. They shouldn't limit it to ten percent, it's not just a, a hard and fast rule to give ten percent. It should really be between ten and twenty percent. Um, but even beyond that, there are exceptions to this rule. The Gemara did say that one shouldn't give more than twenty percent, but there are various exceptions that are uh, mentioned amongst the different poskim, the halakhic authorities. Number one is if a person is extremely wealthy, if they're extremely wealthy, so then they should they could give up to fifty percent could and should give up to 50% of their money to tzedakah if they're extremely wealthy. Another uh, situation where a person uh, can give more than 20% is if they are doing it to support the study of Torah. If it's to support Torah, then they could do that. Another uh, case where they could give it to tz- more than 20% is when they pass away in their will after they pass away, so then they could say that they're giving more than 20% of their estate to charity, to tzedakah. And the reason for that is... The whole concern is that the person will end up poor, but uh, they're writing it in their will when they pass away. And um, and the, another case, we're not listing all of them, but another case is if a person is doing it as a one-time thing for tshuva, really to repent um, as a form of tshuva, that they want to give more. So then as, as that form of tshuva, they're allowed to give, uh, this is a way for them to receive uh, forgiveness and kapara for the tshuva, so then they could give more than 20%. I just heard it. Uh, an interesting story um, of one of the uh, great Hasidic masters, I forgot who, um, who ended up giving every day that the, he received money. He gave uh, all of it, or the vast majority of it, to, to charity. He just kept on giving it more and more to the to the poor people who would come to him. And eventually they asked him, they asked this uh, Hasidic Rebbe, that how could he do this? Uh, the Gemara says, that you can't give more than 20%. So he says, I'm doing it because I, but the, the halach is, the law is that, you could give more if you're doing it out of tshuva, if you're doing it to repent. And there was one day where I committed a terrible sin, um, and so therefore from now on I have to do tshuva, I have to repent and give more than 20%. So they asked him, well, what was that sin? What avera did you commit? And he told them, uh, well, there's one day where I gave more than 20% staka, which is in an avera. And so after that day, every other day, I now have to do tshuva. I have to repent and give more than twenty percent to tzedakah. Anyways, uh, so that's that's the story uh, that uh, I heard. Um, this law of not giving more than twenty percent uh, is really not just when it comes to charity, but it also it extends to when how much a person does ha- uh, does a person have to spend when performing a mitzvah. And the halacha is the law is that a person uh, should could spend up should spend up to twenty percent in terms of performing a mitzvah that that's how much they should spend up to 20% to, to, to perform the mitzvah however that only applies to mitzvah's essay positive commandments like buying a lulu of an esrog um, building a sukkah positive commandments uh, one has to spend up to 20% but in order to prevent one from violating a negative commandment one has to spend all their money to prevent themselves from speaking hara, evil speech spend all of your money violating Shabbos you have to spend all your money which is why uh People in the fifties they uh, they lost their jobs and they, they knew that they had to lose they had to if uh, because they didn't go to work on Shabbos so they lost their job and they, they lost their, their their money but uh, in order to observe Shabbos which is a negative commandment uh, which is also a negative commandment uh, so then they have to give up they have to give up all of their money uh, for that uh, so there's a dis- distinction between positive commandments and negative commandments let's just see a few more lines of the Gemara and then we'll end the Gemara says. Um, uh, he says that if we, we've had three takanas, three decrees from Usha so far, the first one it said Rabbi Lai. It said here, Rabbi in the name of Reish Lakish, the name of Rahuda. Three. Na- it was in the name of one person, in the name of another. The second decree was only in the name of Reish Lakish, in the name of Reish Lakish. Two, and in this last one, it was only Rabbi Lai. So he says that there's a you could you could have a hint of this. These are three categories: ketanim about supporting one's children, kosvu, when one writes a gift to their of the estate to their children, and bizbazu in terms of money that they spend for tzedakah, Uh In that order, you'll know three, two, one. And it's important uh, to know who's saying these statements in the name of whom, uh, because we know that this is all uh, telling us about the misora that we have. The, the uh, to the transmission of Torah that it's not that it was made up by these people but they heard it from somebody else who heard it from somebody else and so therefore it's important to, to know um, who's saying what and, and if they're saying it in the name of somebody else. Okay, this concludes uh, the third Takana, the third decree of Usha In the next class we will continue on with other Takanas, other decrees from Usha.